Hey guys, this is Mason Bush with Code Hunting University Podcast. Welcome to the show. Code Hunting University is brought to you by Superior Hunting Lights. Superior, step up to the max. Use discount code CHUPODCAST at checkout on nighthunters.com. Conkey's Outdoors, hunting and hound supply store. We stand behind Conkey's and is the only hunting supply store that we personally recommend here at Coon Hunting University. You can find out more at Conkey'sOutdoors.com or find them on Facebook, Conkey's Outdoors, and give them a like. Hey, everybody, this is Jason, and I'm joined tonight with uh, Mason. Uh, I guess you're in Tennessee tonight, huh, Mason? That's right, West Tennessee, Somerville. Yeah, Mason's done got to go uh, coon hunt for a little while tonight. I done got my belly full, cooked some deer steaks. So me and the family got through eating. They went kiss Christmas caroling, so they're gone. And I, we're going to knock out a little podcast for y'all tonight. And uh, Mason decided he wanted to join in and get this uh, late nights with Miller kicked off for the, I guess we're on episode three of the late nights with Miller. So Mason's joining in and we're going to knock around some questions. Mason's going to throw, throw his input in and I'm going to give you what I think. If we meet in the middle, it ought to be some good information. Um, I know for a little bit there, I, uh, I want to, we always want to give y'all some information about training dogs or working with dogs. Cause this is about people that are just getting into coon hunting. And then we're going to sort of get into some, I'm sure we'll knock in some competition stuff. Maybe even tonight, I know Mason's hitting some hunts now. And I went to a hunt this month. I know that's hard to believe, but uh, we might even throw in some hunt stuff tonight as we get to knocking around. But the first thing we want to talk about is uh, tonight is communication. And, and I'm not talking about the Garmin communication. I'm talking about communication with your hounds that you lay the groundwork with at home before you even go to the woods. Uh, a lot of people sort of miss this step when training dogs and, and gaining that communication. Um, and it just starts with you doing basic commands and working with the dogs. I tell people all the time when, when I go to working with my dogs, they learn to sit, stay, go, and come. And then I just break them to a chain and load, you know, everybody teaches them to load. I have had other dogs that did a whole lot more than that. And that's just creating that communication stuff. Uh, I know, I don't know how much Mason does on training, but would you agree that, that that type of stuff needs to be laid at home, Mason? I agree. That's something that it needs to be done for a dog ever even sees the woods. Um, is there anything that you do? Like, I know you, you, you're hunting a lot of older season dogs. Is, do you see when you get those in your pen, that, that are those dogs sort of taught some things, or do you have to teach them? Um, there's some that, that don't have any manners at all. And then there's some that, like especially this one I have now, Jackson, He, uh, Mike Gilbert trained him, and he's as good as puppy man as there is alive on this earth. So... So I can see a lot of things that Mike's put in in him when he was younger, but I, I've seen a lot that 
that that needed <laughs> needed some help but i'm not much of a a puppy man i've had a few and i wouldn't say i've fully trained any but um i've i've started a couple but i wouldn't consider myself a, a puppy man at all yeah gilbert is well known for how well he starts one and and when you look across the country there's quite a few different people that are known for starting pups and then there's quite a few different guys that are known for what i call polishing you know that started type dog and then there's guys that want to just hunt a finished dog you know uh i always say they those guys take the finished dog and then run it (laughs) it's one of those deals people laugh and you'll see them the dog they get the dog that's been winning and then they it just fizzles out you never hear anything else from it you know barry kitty made a killing off of selling dogs that he he fine-tuned he won't give it back to him you know mm-hmm. he didn't send the he didn't send the resume but uh yeah i i just uh i think it's it's one of those deals that you got to find where you're strong and it's hey look everybody's got to reevaluate when they're working these animals where where are they the strongest you know are you good at starting the pup you good at finishing the pup are you good at uh, polishing on the pup and putting it in competition hunts and then that's where you gotta you gotta put your talents to good use i i've always said i i I like making good crosses but i sort of like taking it through the whole process and man you want to create a headache you you go through the whole process of breeding raising the pup and then trying to finish it out for the hunts by the time you get to putting it in hunts you absolutely hate it mm-hmm. so you know that's just one of them deals that i'm sort of known for uh, i actually bred a bred a jip uh two weeks ago the snowman and uh that's a that's a topic in itself is if you've got a jip that you're wanting to breed you need to know when the best time is to show up at that person's house and breed, you know. Right. A lot of people, you know, that's sort of a lost thing that people know as far as the guy when he showed up, he was like, they told me day seven. And I was like, well, she's not ready. If, if you're on day seven blood, sure enough, he had to take her back home and bring her back. So uh, Almost before, before the progesterone test, I always bred on, t- if if I could leave on day 10, if I had to go a piece, you know, I wanted to breed in that day 10 to 12 range. Right. From the first drop of blood, and that's watching your dog and knowing your dogs. But now with those progesterone tests, you want to, you're going to travel, you better be getting those all the way up into the point of breeding. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. But yeah, that's a that's a that's another tip as far as breeding dogs. And then I know I I told uh, Tyler I was going to talk about a lot of people don't even know how to worm a puppy and stuff. You know, as far as raising a litter. But we'll get we'll get to that in another episode. Uh, I guess you uh you seen those questions that I I've gotten from those previous episodes. So you want to just let's jump in those and yeah, that's fine with me. Yeah, because we had quite a few. And remember, folks, if y'all were listening to this, this 
these podcasts are going to work off of us getting getting questions from you and then going going from there. Uh, and let's uh, I'll ask the question like I'm I'll name the person and you'll hit it and then I can answer it or vice versa, whatever you want to do. All right. Um, if you just want to read them off and just kind of give your opinion, then I'll I'll give my okay. two cents for what it's worth. All right. Well, the all right. This first question comes from Kyle Short, Indiana. I, if you hunt PKC, you probably Kyle's pretty good pup man within himself. But uh, he was. Uh, what's your opinion on a dog that continues to make dens or makes a lot of den trees? Is the dog backtracking or going the wrong way? Um, and do you how, do you correct them for making a bunch of den trees? Uh, the couple of dogs that that I've had that made den trees that I knew were going the wrong way, yes, I corrected on. And how did I know they were going the wrong way? It's typically this little stylish clover line I hunt. Uh, they're bad independent. They're absolutely so independent that they'll go the opposite way of a dog on a track, not because they know it. I mean, know that they're going, they know they're going the wrong way. They just don't want to be with another dog and they will absolutely take a track to the den and tree on it and, uh, and have it. And yes, I pleasure hunting. If, if that dog did that, we had a dog, the boom dog we used to hunt. If we were pleasure hunting and they struck a track one, you know, the one dog took the track and treated the coon and he went and made the den. We worked on him pretty good. So yeah, that's a that's a strong possibility that that's taking place. And uh I when I first started hunting I hunted a red ball and I don't that sucker, he uh he went the wrong way a lot. <laughs> and I think his was just brain power. That sucker didn't he didn't he couldn't tell if he was going the wrong way or the right way. Right. Usually, uh, usually if, if one has a little sense, a little, little correction will fix that. Um, but, but I'm with you. Just just a little correcting. and um, I, I don't think it'll take too much. If a, if a, if a dog has any kind of sense, it, uh, it ought to catch up yeah, pretty brain quick. Power. I mean, yeah. a dog that, uh, I tell you what, I, I was on a cast with Josh Watson and this would have probably been 2000, maybe 99, 2000. And out of the truck, we, we strike a scream in red hot track. And Hooker just screams away from, from them. And they come back around and get treed. And I'm struck for 100. I mean, I struck for 100. She drives in there so far that when they come treed and she realized she went the wrong way, it was right out of the truck. She was excited as all get out. Uh, they get treed up here. So by the time she gets there, the tree's close. I mean, this is how bad I'm, I'm plumb embarrassed because I had, I had judged Josh the night before at the truck hunt. And I had told him that when I was ju- judging him, Hooker was in the back of the truck. And I said, man, you need to be hunting that. I've got her. I've got her tuned up. You know, I'm telling him, bragging about this bitch. She's a two-year-old, you know. I said, I got her tuned up. You need to hunt her in this hunt. And he laughed at me. Well, the next night, we go to Maven. They always had an open hunt over, and I draw him. So, uh, needless to say, 
I'm 200, 200 and something points behind. I'm two coons down right out of the truck, five, six minutes into the cast, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Josh like Snickers. Uh, oh yeah, that's the bitch I needed to hunt last <laughs> night. You know? So when the dust settles, I think I'm I got six hundred and seventy five plus, and everything else is withdrawn from the cast. Uh, that was probably my greatest comeback ever with a hound, as far as like she just went on and trade five or six singles during you know during that 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 hour and 45 minutes i'd say we killed you know so yeah that was a throwback but she had went i mean she's probably one of the top three greatest dogs i ever had but as a two-year-old she would be so excited she would go the wrong way on their tracks and had a really good nose so it's just hunting them through it getting them to figure it out so yeah uh gage dickerson in georgia i have a 10 11 month old pup has not started opening or treeing yet. She moves around good. Uh, she hunts, and I believe she has marked up on a couple of trees. I've actually seen her circling around on the Garmin. Uh, and he gave me a little backstory on it and said that uh, he had turned a cage coon loose for her, and she ran it and treed it. And he had showed, but he'd only showed her one. Uh, Gage, I, I'm going to tell you, I. I don't, I don't fool with any coons in a cage with any of my young dogs. And I know, hey, look, I'm not knocking anybody that does it. Uh, it create, I, I just feel like it creates a lot more bad habits than, uh, than good. So I, I just don't fool with them, uh, especially these people that you see dragging a cage out through there and got eight or nine pups barking around it, dragging it up the tree. That. I just, I don't, there's no good in it as far as I'm concerned. Now, you're going to have people that argue and say, oh, man, it gets them fired up. Uh, we don't need anything to fire up the tree dog breed as far as, if you've got to fire these suckers up the way we've been breeding them, then you're better <laughs> off to get you another pup. Um, if I... What I do with my young dogs, if I if I feel the need to show them a cage coon, I will. Uh, I'll take one pup, possibly two. I'll latch them. To, I'll, I already have the cage coon wherever I want it to be. I pull up in the truck. I latch them to it. Put the tracking collars on. I may walk out in the edge of a field and turn the cage coon loose and let them watch it run off. Then go back. And give it you know a good head start but i don't even do that much uh but being as your gif ain't barking good i might do what i'm saying as far as let her see you walk out there turn a cage coon loose and let it run off but i'm a and people people give me a hard time about feeders down here in this country but i'm a big start and work dog on feeders you know your pups on feeders so I keep, I keep five or six hot feeders on branches, and I, if if a if you can't start a pup on hot feeders, and a good month hunting, you know, four or five nights a week around those feeders, then uh, it might be time to back up and punt, you know, as far as the, the dogs. So, uh, 
that's what I got to say to Mr. Gage. I don't, I don't know if I covered everything. What do you think, Mason? Um, I mean, I agree with you on the feeders. Uh, I, the few puppies I've had, I, I've showed Gage Coons. Just, I don't. To me, I, I like, I like them seeing them getting fired up three four five months old uh, they may not need it. it may do more harm than good I, I don't know i've not messed with enough to to say one way or another but personally i, I do um yeah I, the only reason i say that might cause some issues is uh especially the people that have four or five pups around that feeder i mean around that uh trap it starts some aggression issues Especially if they've got any, uh, you know, fighting the coon, then they start fighting each other. Uh, you get a bunch of them up on the tree, jumping on each other. You know, they start. You know, I try to, I try to keep mine away from any problems as much as possible, and that's just one area that I could see. Another thing that, in pups, I do. And hey, look, don't get me wrong, I I threw a bunch on cages. You know, when I first started out. I mean, that was, that's in rolling cages. By gosh, we'd throw them in rolling cages and scream and yell. And, uh, you know, we was just, we was wild and crazy with the puppies, you know. But I just seen that that's like a puppy will run up there and stick his face right up to him. That coon will grab his nose. And then next thing you know, you have to give them stitches or they rip their ear. A pup that's a little bit timid that gets, you know, beat away from it right off the bat. So I just, I, I just come to find that a lot of times it'll cause more harm than good, and you know, it's to each his own. Yeah, I can see the aggression for sure. Uh, I've never been one to have more than one or two pups at a time, yeah, especially yeah. especially doing that. I can see where it'd cause issues, but yeah, that's that's just my opinion. Oh yeah, it's just preference, preference. All right. You got anything else for Mr. Gage? No. I think we covered enough. All right. Aaron Nobles. I think Missouri maybe is what I... My old handwriting. I have a dog that usually has the coon on the first drop. On recuts, hardly ever has the coon. If she wins one on the way back to the truck, she will have it. What should I do? She never missed when I started her. This is her second hunting season. It is really dry here right now. Right, Aaron. I mean, hey, look. Uh, I I call it the terrible twos. Second, any second year on a dog. Once you start a dog, the second year coming in, you're more than likely gonna have some like scratch your head moments. Like, why is this dog doing this? Um, especially going in. You know, I mean, this this say you started the dog in february and now you're coming into october november totally different weather dry uh coons are sitting up so that dog is, is experiencing these types of tracks for the first time i'll give a perfect example of this situation dog's first persimmon season oh my god every i don't i mean if there's a dog out there that didn't struggle during persimmon season and you've got a bunch of persimmons, I would love to go hunting with that dog. Because every dog that I've ever started, worked on, and finished 
persimmons give them fits. You know, I mean, that's just a, that's just something you got to work them very well. My guess is that, is that your pup is now starting to, to uh, go through uh, an area that she has, she don't have much confidence in, and she's struggling. And I tell people all the time, you just got to hunt these suckers through these problems and correct them and be consistent. Yeah. And as long as you'll stay on, I mean, as long as you'll stay on that task, when she misses, hey, walk her 10 steps, recut her. I mean, you, and you just got to fall in behind them. I remember when I was working snowman on, on persimmon trees, I spent two hours in a beaver pond that was covered in persimmon trees. It had persimmon trees everywhere. So, uh, we, we just, I just kept beating him off in persimmon trees until he went on, you know, it's just one of them deals. You got to be a little more hard headed than they are. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's my take on that. Aaron, uh, Mason might give you some better information. I don't know what we got. I'm with you on that. Uh, it's her second season. Don't be too hard on her. Uh, she may be experiencing conditions she's never seen. Um, uh, like you said, there can be so many different variables. Uh, I'm with you on the terrible twos. I've been there with one not too long ago. I've sold her now, but... Razor Hunting Gear and Yoder Nylon are producing the most innovative nylon products on the market today. The new competition belt released by Razor features a 10-inch utility pouch, a Garmin pouch, padded thermal pouch, water bottle pouch, and it's all conveniently located on a 2-inch black nylon belt with a heavy-duty buckle. All the pouches are made of the highest quality nylon currently available. All these products made by Razor and Yoder are designed by coon hunters for coon hunters. Yeah, exactly. If, if, you, if you hunt them, if you hunt them through it, and uh, just stay patient with them, they'll usually come out of it and make you a good dog. But that's where a lot of people fail. I'd say they 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 lose hope and and pass it on to somebody else, and that's why there's not near as many outstanding dogs as they say there used to be i think i think the dog men in the training ain't there like they used to be so that's my take on that yeah i mean i i I don't think there's many coon hunters in general out there and i mean and the coon hunters that are left or you know they they're not they're not wanting to sell a dog that they put a lot of hard work in for the most part unless that's what they're doing for a living you know you got the guys that are that fine tuning and then selling and moving on and then you got the pleasure hunters uh that are a little bit you know they're not as picky as far as what their dog's gonna do but that's like any anything that's if you were in the first grade, you're not just going to jump to the 12th grade or 12th grade jump to your senior year in college. Well, you got to think that these dogs are, are learning and then they just jump to another, you know, grade with, I mean, it's just like they skipped a year into something they've never had any work in. So they got to learn. It's like anything. Yep. It's got to stay consistent and keep the boots on. <laughs> and yeah. And, keep them keep them hot that's right work working uh ethan page in north carolina i think that 
a lot of two year and I'm gonna tell y'all, y'all get a when you I mean, especially on my end looking at these questions, it's a lot of two year old dog questions. And I'm telling you, it's just it's like like you say, they've got to work through these scenarios, but it, the the real is is on you as a handler is to realize this and I tell everybody the number one rule that you have to follow when working with young dogs is patience. You cannot, I mean, you can't make them do anything, but you've got to sort of lead them to the water and hope they drink type deal. So uh, Ethan's in North Carolina. Hey, Jason, you got any tips on making dogs more consistent as far as not slick treating? I have a two-year-old dog that was very consistent at an early age here recently she has started making slick trees and backing other dogs she is very timid and lays down if you raise your voice any suggestions so you know this this is going to sort of go along with aaron aaron's question as far as getting them to be more consistent work you know and it's that it's that two-year-old two-year-old deal that you could get them past and i mean working go back in other dogs is has always been pretty easy for me but it's just it's being consistent and you got to start out you know i set them up you know it's like i i may walk i may walk her in there and turn her loose 100 yards from a dog tree so I can get there quick, get her off the tree, get her recut, leaving that dog treed. And I just, I would make her go hunting from there. Not saying, you know, and you may have to walk her a little bit further and leave your buddy at the tree. Uh, but breaking one from going back to trees, back another dogs is, uh, especially in the hunts, is a, is a must situation. And I'm not saying... <laughs> But a lot of people get mad when you talk about don't bake. I don't, when a dog gets treed right after the other dog, I don't call that backing. So I don't think that that, I don't never break my dogs from doing that. But if I cut off of a tree, say I score a tree over here 300 yards, and Mason is treed, you know, that 300-yard gap, and I cut loose, and Mason's dog is treed, Mine better not go to Mason's dog. Right. That, that is a must, must not happen situation in my mind. I don't even want them going that direct. I mean, I don't mind them going sort of straight away, but I don't want him going that direction. I break them from even going that direction. Uh, and to me, that's all relatively easy fixes. You just got to be consistent and work it in there. And I mean, I like the shot collar. I know a lot of people don't, but I tell people all the time, low and slow on shocking collars. You start at the very minimum. And uh, I will tell you another tip. Do not tone your dog any. Um a lot of people, you know, and it took me a while, like when all this all this new technology come out, you know, 
Man, mine's broke to tone. Well, that is not a good thing in today's time with competition hunts. Um, so I will say everything you want to train them with is with a little tickle and no toning. Uh, so I don't even know if I answered the question there. <laughs> no, I, I agree. A dog's only going to be consistent as, as the man on the other end of the leash um if you let them buy with something sometimes and work on them for it the others that they, they don't know they ain't gonna know what to do you got to stay consistent whatever you do whether it's just hunting or working on one particular thing and, and don't try to don't try to break him from doing more than one one or two things at a time just yeah that's that's a that's a very good point don't try to don't try to do more than you can possibly work on it. Yeah, just... I, I, I don't try to break them off of running deer, treeing possums, and uh, backing another dog all in the same night. When you, it's, it's sort of a building up. If you're if you're tickling one for something, and when I when I say tickling, that's just another way of saying, you know, lightly shocking the dog. Uh, when you're tickling one for something, it need that's the only thing you need to be tickling it for during that, you know, that phase of it after you're working on it. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a very good point. And as far Anything as backing the dogs and stuff, a lot of people try to wait too long. In my opinion, they they wait till a dog almost gets to the tree or or already gets there if, if you're going to use a shock collar and i think the best time to start on it as soon as as soon as that dog's mind gets on that other dog when you if they're split and you see the dog turn and start heading to it go ahead and start tickling go ahead and get its attention if you wait till it gets there it i think you've done waited too late uh, if you if you'll get his his attention early i, I think that's the best approach yeah well here's how like since we're on that here's how i work if if i've got a dog that is say you're due east of me 300 yards i'm gonna turn and walk 10 steps from my tree and i'm gonna cut due west so i'm basically cutting that dog directly away from your dog tree if we're out there pleasant hunting, right mm-hmm. and that dog takes off if it starts veering i don't man when i cut one loose i want that i don't want him veering it. i want him just like a labrador going straight away from me and here's where you can work that is if if he starts veering to come back around like he's going to try to slide to that dog I start at the very lowest setting, and I use the old go. I scream go, you know, and I start tickling him. And uh, typically, you know, but that go command, that's where that go command comes in that you teach them early in life. They know when they hear that from me, they better be go. Right. Because that tickling is going to be getting worse as they don't listen. I mean, that's. That's where that communication comes in. When you when you establish that communication at an early age, I mean, you may, when you throw a toy to a 12-week-old puppy and you throw it out there and you say, go, and he, he hears that, he knows to go that direction, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, you establish those baby 
and it and it builds with them. Every time they hear go from me, the first, I mean, every time, shoot, I I cut Snowman loose. He's four or five years old and died. If I take him tonight, and when I unsnap him pleasure hunting, he's gonna hear go come out of my mouth behind him. You know, right? Not that he needs to, but it is reinforcement of his job every time i cut him he knows that i expect him to go until the day he dies so i mean that's that's and that was established from our very first meeting as far as hunting and working you know Mm -hmm. and that's communication that's the type of communication you got to build with that dog that doesn't include the garment and you staring at the garment trying to figure out what he's doing by the garment that's you hearing the bark What's he doing? What type of tracks he running? Uh, that's where a lot of the that's where a lot of the breakdown is between man and dog is that they don't know what that dog is doing without that piece of technology in their hand. Right. And that's where that's that makes the difference in a houndsman in my mind is when that dog opens in there and he gives two or three barks. A houndsman knows what type of track he's working, what type of terrain he's in. Is he in water? Is he working a cold track? Cut over. You know, <laughs> uh, is he in a cut over? Yep. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's where we, we really, I think, young hunters listening to this, they need to leave that garment in the pouch when they're pleasure hunting and tune that ear in to what that dog is doing out there. And look, if you're interested in competition hunts, knowing that dog uh, is key to winning competition hunts. I, th- these people that that uh, get mad when when somebody trees ahead of them is beyond me. Why why you're getting mad at the person that tree? You know, in the back of their mind, their dog treed first, right? So that other person trees one. They're mad because that other person just treed, and their dog's treed too, you know. Whose fault really is that? You're just mad at yourself. Yeah. You better be mad at yourself and learn to, you, I mean, when you're, if yours was treed first, you should have done treed this up. Yeah. I've never been one. I've never been one to. Uh, I've costed myself 100 minus a lot more <laughs> than the other way yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, I would. Hey, I, people. I, I mean, everybody would tell you that I was an offensive type guy. I wanted to just, I mean, I wanted to walk in that clubhouse with my chest poked out. And Miller's got 775 plus, you know, mm-hmm. I was all, I didn't, I didn't care if I was beating you by 500. I wanted first and first on the next one too. You know, I mean, that was just the way, right. way I operated. I've now changed since gotten older and wiser but Run. more back when you're young and dumb running gun blow them out all right you got anything to add there i think we were we're fishing blake holloman from alabama how would you go about helping a dog learn to stick a tree she is super track minded and has had to held a couple of trees after a certain amount of time she is done and i and is ready to run another one any suggestions um man uh, the, i've had quite a few dogs that were more track minded than, than tree minded so 
and here's here's them feeders, the hot feeders. Uh, and I hate to keep talking about snowman, but snowman was was this type of dog. He would just fire in there, strike him a track, roll up tree, tree for a minute, minute and a half. You'd, you'd start to him, and next thing you'd hear him, another 400 in there, strike him another track, get tree. You you couldn't get to the sun. I mean, that's how fast he moved around. And, and uh, I just, I, I actually didn't have feeders out when I was first starting him, but I, I wound up putting some feeders out. And how I got to him, when I cut him loose, I took off running behind that sucker. I mean, I was I was in behind him. When he got struck and got treed, I was there, you know, within 30 seconds. And I'd leash him back. And I actually shot a couple of coons out uh, to him and never let him, like, they just hit the ground. It was flopping over there. And I'd grab him and take him away to another spot. And that's, you know, later on I'd come back and get the coons around them feeders, but I wouldn't let him see me get them. But it really fired him up as far as uh, as doing that. So that's the way I worked him. Uh, I guess you could do some cage coons too where you're, you're really falling in there behind it. So, uh, so, uh, you got any suggestions on that one? Uh, I'm, I'm with you for the most part on that. Uh, the biggest thing is just, just get in there fast. And a lot of people, especially young hunters, and I was guilty of it too, uh, as soon as you get in there, just go to shooting shooting one out. Just go in there, leash it, spend some time with it. Sit there and spend some time with it. Pet on it. Let him know he's done a good job. Um, just make sure he's excited. No, just reward him. And, and then then shoot it out if you're going to just let him know he's he's done right and just go from there yeah i mean I, a lot of people i've had a dog i started one dog i never shot a coon to just to see if i could do it uh so i mean these dogs got personalities you know some of them i mean i've seen dogs literally shoot a coon out to them they run over to grab them and maybe bite them one time and like they're i mean why did that why did you even waste that coon for that dog you know they don't care nothing about them right uh so that's once again that communication knowing your dog and what you need to do and once you get them sticking trees just consistent hunting i mean <laughs> I, I don't know people and i hey, look i understand because i'm uh but when when people talk about how much do you hunt makes all the difference in these dogs you know i mean when i'm hunting and when i'm really hunting i'm hunting four or five nights a week and uh and i have you know hunted seven seven nights a week and take a night off and then hunt another set you know it's just one of them deals where people when you talk about coon hunting and getting a dog right there are people that hunt pretty much every night mm-hmm uh, and I, I think a lot of the listeners probably don't realize that when you start talking about getting these top, you know, top shelf dogs, them mugs is getting pounded. Oh, yeah, night after night. It, it takes a lot of work. These two or three nights a week, it don't, it don't do it. If 
you can well, in a top shelf. The only dog. way a two to three night deal works is if you got a seven or eight year old dog that just needs keeping in shape, you know, as far as not getting too, right. too, and, and seeing if there is a problem, you know, basically staying in tune with the dog because look, these dogs can get sick and be done in a night. You got a $6,500 inch fee. You just to go hunt. You need to know if he's sick, <laughs> sick before you go drop $6,500. Right. So, uh, but no, I was just talking about right. young dogs. It, uh, it, it, it takes a lot of hours, a lot of long nights, a lot of consistent consecutive nights. Yeah. I, I think, uh, the most I've ever kept up with consistent night after night hunt was 65 nights. Hmm. That's the most I've ever hunted in a row. But that's back when I used to keep me a little tally book and write down, you know, how many coons tree and all that. That was back before Garmin's though. I wish, I wish that I had, I mean, you look like looking back, man, I, I would have been, potent with a Garmin back in the day as far as getting one of these suckers right. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it's just amazing the difference in technology and how how much easier it is to, to work and train on a dog. Right. Uh, Justin Blackman from Georgia New to coon hunting, I want to get a pup and train it solo. How would I do it? Hmm. Well, Justin, my advice to you is not do it. Uh, as far as new to coon hunting and, and starting out with a pup, uh, the 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 easiest. I'm I'm saying you need to minimize failure when you're starting out coon hunting and uh. And hey, look, starting a, getting a pup and starting it from the very beginning is the most rewarding thing you'll ever do as a coon hunter. But it is also the hardest thing you'll ever do as a coon hunter. Uh, so I'm saying, you know, start out with a, uh, a older dog and then maybe slide into the pup training. Because hey, look, if you're a beginning coon hunter, you're a pup. So usually pups don't do well training pups, if that makes sense to you. So I'm saying get some experience. But if, you, if you're not going to listen, then I would say the first thing you need to do is find somebody that's local in your area that's known for raising coon dogs or, you know, that has, that raises dogs and that are successful at raising dogs and uh, you know that people have them and hunt them in that area. Your area is different from my area. Uh, Georgia ain't gonna be that much different. But if you go, I think the biggest mistake people make is looking at those magazines and Justin decides, oh, these dogs up here in Michigan are doing some kind of winning. Uh, I'm gonna go get a pup out of Michigan. I'm saying you need to start with a pup local to your area from a line of dogs that is winning or are competitive or trees a bunch of coons, not necessarily winning, but typically that's how you know what dogs are decent in a given area is uh, that they're winning in that area. 
So find you a guy that's got that group of dogs. Go get you a pup and then start listening to this podcast and do following the, all with Do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lord. No, I agree with you 100% on that one. Um, like you said, pups can't train pups. It takes uh, a lot of years of, of knowledge and, and knowing what to do and learning how to work a dog at certain times, when to train and when not to train. That, that was my biggest thing. Um, oh, it's it's one of them deals that's, uh you got to be extremely hard-headed and have a, a passion for working with a pup. Hey, man, I get aggravated with these suckers. I mean, and it is boring when you're first starting a pup. And what's that key word? Patience. I mean, you and and people that know me are like, man, there ain't no way Miller is good at starting pups, as impatient as he, as he is. You know, it's just one of them deals that I love to do, so it, it works out, you know, uh, where I just I put the time in to do it, uh, and I typically what I do is I'll have I'll keep I'll keep my fillers out for multiple pups. If I if I raise a litter here, I might get one back at ten months old or whatever. So uh, when I say and every now and then I'll raise one, put that up. But usually between eight weeks. And twelve months old, I find a lot wrong with it. <laughs> right. So, so that that's the hard part is after you've seen and started so many, is finding one that keeps you interested all the way up through that process. Because one little thing that it does that sort of goes, mm, I don't think it, I don't think you'll suit me in the long run. You find yourself easier to put them on the back burner instead of working them through it you know yep so anything else for justin nightmare justin stick with it you know that's that's the biggest thing is is sticking with it and and being persistent all right kyle templeton tennessee this is up i don't know what part of tennessee you know kyle no, he don't, sound, he don't sound familiar. He must be one of those. I have a, I have a question about strength of nose, man. I was going to do some research on this one. Hot, medium, or cold. Uh, do you believe the dogs run across a track? Does it smell different? Or is nose power simply another way to describe the motor of the dog? And I was I was actually going to try to research this one a little bit, as far as what a dog can smell and the difference in our smell and you know theirs. But uh, I'm going to tell you, there's no doubt in my mind that dogs smell. I mean, it's like saying are people stronger than others or I mean, dogs. I think their noses are are different capacity you know as far as some smell and then i think where the brain and its reaction to that smell is is where the the key comes in on do they want to work that track up or do they drift it and pop it until they find you know 
I think that's the key in these dogs is when they smell that track, okay, do I need to spend a lot of time right here or do I need to start drifting and trying to find it out, you know, from here? So I think nose power is different in dogs as well as I think the motor in dogs is different. I think nose power and motor are two different things as far as I think some dogs have so much motor that they'll just simply not even smell a track. I mean, they're, they're not even, I mean, when, when I, when some of the motors and some of these dogs, when they smell a track, they're looking at the coon nearby. Right. Uh, their eyes are stronger than their nose on some of these. Yeah. Yeah. There was. They, they, uh, they've got a lot of power in them back legs and they're driving until they just come across something that burns their nose, you know, but yeah, dog, dogs' noses are, I would say, definitely quite a bit, you know, different. I, I've had some that I don't, man, it's pretty much, I hate to even tell some of the stories on some of the really unbelievable style dogs as far as nose, uh, you know, like rig dogs striking from the truck. You know, some dogs strike out of the truck. Wimp Aaron loves to ride around those cornfields and, and dogs bell her out. He turn them all loose, you know. Um, so there's dogs that, I mean, I've had a dog that could literally strike from within the dog box, going down the road at 40 miles an hour. So that, I mean, you know that dog has got some kind of nose, and he knew how to. But the thing was, he knew how to use it. So I think that's the that's the key with nose power. I'm still, I'm still a big man. I want to hear him strike a cold track, drift it up, work it, and trip. Uh, and I'll be that way to the day I die. I want to, I want to hear a good. You know, some people don't want to hear him waste time on that working that track up. But I'll always love hearing a good ball mouth track dog, and tell the difference when that track changes and he gets it up and running. You know, that's that's sort of. In a big oak flat, sucker booming down through there. That's that's my idea of coon hunting. Delta National Forest, working up old track. You know, it, it ain't competition hunting for me. It's it's more than that as far as what what drives me in coon hunting. Yep. All right, Kyle. You, I mean, uh, you got anything to add to that? No, no. Kyle Templeton in Tennessee. No, uh, you pretty much, you pretty much uh, covered that one. Uh, I'm the same way. I, the coon hunter in me, I like to, I like to hear a dog that can actually use its nose. Conkey's Outdoors knows that keeping up with the latest in hunting technology can be expensive. That's why they are proud to offer amazing financing options. From 30 days, same as cash, to 0% interest for 6, 9, 12, and even 18 months, depending on your credit score and the amount you spend. If you've been eyeballing that new thermal or want to upgrade to the latest in tracking system technology, go find out more on the web at conkeysoutdoors.com, or if you're in the Hastings, Florida area, stop by and visit. They'd love to have you. Conkeys Outdoors, houndsmen helping houndsmen. Work up a good track and, and tree a coon instead of just one that's blowing, blowing in there. Oh, and lets you know what it's, you know, 
and lets you know by the difference in its voice, you know, what type of track it's working. Uh, that competition coon hunt I went on last week, man, uh, I'm hunting a steel mouth dog. Absolutely hate it. All the other dogs get out there and they're just doing their screaming, barking like this is, they're looking at something. And they peel around here and go across the road and mine strikes and trees about 200 yards just straight in there from us. And he's on a freaking den tree. I don't, I still, to, at this point, don't know if them dogs just went the wrong way and never decided to turn around and come back or whatever. So I pull him off that and go cut him back loose toward them. And they're, by this time, they get treed. We go in there, can't find anything. Cut them back loose. They're barking and screaming out, you know. And I'm like, man, this is just, I cannot stand. But at, there was a time, you know, when that, that would probably fire me up as far as the competition side of it. But I just, uh, I just want to hear it. And, and I'm saying mine's horrible, like the tight mouth dog. I can't stand that. So you got two different spectrums, and I hated both of them. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's the whole time I'm out there. I was, Andy Morgan was on the cast with me, and he's like, "Man, you just you you ain't enjoying this." And I said, "Man, this freaking horrible." I said, this is how I'm, I'm hunting a tight mouth dog. That's horrible. I mean, that's nobody would think that I'd be hunting a steel mouth dog. And then there's, these dogs are just barking all over the woods. And it's like, this it is aggravating. No fun in it whatsoever. So anyway, let, needless to say, I didn't have, it was okay, hunt. I mean, we didn't have, we actually wound up treating. They treat a coon during the cast, and I had one treat after the hunt was over, and Andy had one treat. We actually seen three coons right there at the end of the cast. So, I mean, it was okay hunt, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but not like pleasure hunting, no. I did have a good pleasure hunt, but no, no barking on the ground, so not much fun there. So Kennedy Thornburg, and I didn't get where Kennedy Thornburg was from. I'm new to coon hunting. I've been going about six months. How do I get into competition coon hunting? How do I know when my dog is ready? Uh, and I, I think I've said this pretty much on every podcast that I've ever done is get in and help out. Uh, these clubhouses around the United States need help. And they need people that are willing to to help out and not leech off of. Uh, so if you're into coon hunting, you need to find you a club that's local to your area. I don't care if you go over and flip hamburgers or have you know get in there and have a pleasure night or get in there. We used to do a a training night, like if you know people want. That's back when we had quite a few guys hunting in this area. We would have, like, we met up to have a hunt, but it was not sanctioned or anything. But if there was something you wanted to work on your dog that made it hard to work on in a cast, we would uh, we would work on those type of things, you know. Mm-hmm. Might throw in $10 or something, throw in a little pot, cook us some hamburgers, 
But stuff like that is to just get these clubs fired back off. Have a, you know, have buddy hunts that uh, keep up with the point systems and try to learn, you know, the rules. Um, so that's, Kennedy, find you a, find you a club that's local to you. I, I don't, like I said, I don't know where you're from, but if you'll go on ProHound.com and whatever state you're in, look on there, you'll find quite a selection. And then, what is it, UKCDogs.com? Is so. uh, go to UKCDogs. You just search UKC United Kindle Club, and you ought to be able to find a list of clubs for that area on there, and just get in and help, and people will be appreciative. Um, that's that's one way to get your foot in the competition door. Uh, how do I know when my dog is ready? Here's my here's here's my criteria. Will the dog tree cone will it recut and not go back? If you can answer yes to those two questions, then in my mind it is ready for a competition cone hunt. It might actually be better than than most right just if it can answer those two questions i'm saying it's better than five percent of the dogs because there's there's 25 percent of the dogs in the hunts that cannot tree their own coon and will go back to the tree after they do tree a coon yep now you you can bet your bottom dollar that that is the case and I, my my percentages might be a little bit skewed. It might be more that that you're better than if you can answer yes to those two questions. You've already got twenty five percent if you can just answer yes to the first question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hey, tree its own coon and and be recut from the tree. If it can do that, hey, that sucker is ready for a competition coon hunt. In my mind. You may not be ready, but the dog is. Yep. There's only one way to get ready. It's 25 or 35 at a time now. 35 dollars. Oh my! My my beginning days ten dollars. Yep. Yeah, it was a. Uh, and hey, look, y'all. I, that I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of doozies and everything you do, but I'm gonna tell you, I I embrace those beginning days. I mean, I. That's what made me who I was, not quitting. And, you know, the the people that would try to steer you in the wrong direction made me better. Uh, that, that's what you've got to be in life is when when people try to to, to get in your way, you got to figure out a way to get around them or go through them. And that's, that, you know, that's just, that's the way life is. And, uh, I mean... It's one of them deals. The people that that made me work harder are the people that usually cheated me, if that makes sense. Right. So uh, if I, if I felt like I got cheated, I would go in there and I would read them rules and read those rules and read those rules mm-hmm. until I either knew for sure that I got treated cheated, or. I figured out that the person was right. You know, I think that's a lot of people when they say they get cheated, they don't know. They don't know the rules. 
they don't know the the circumstances in which the rules were used. So um, that's the biggest thing is you got to if you're ready for a competition coon hunt, excuse me. If you're ready for a competition coon hunt, you better be willing to learn those rules and study them. Mm-hmm. I agree, hundred percent. So, uh, that I, I, interesting story that uh, I was uh, it's probably two thousand and four super states, uh, and I was one of those that was always sort of. I tried to keep everything as honest and as straightforward as possible. And I was hunting a little dog that was not. Here's where that communication comes into play. And everybody always jokes the final night is, you know, Thursday night, you're pulling out all stops, right, to get get that dog in. And uh, on the early round, she had treated she had treated a coon on the early round, and uh, I could, man, the cast was just dying down, and I knew that I was supposed to get popped some minus. I'm winning the cast. Terry Bennett was on the cast, and uh, I don't remember the guy that was, you know, still in the cast, but I, I was, it was down to me and this one guy, and I'm winning the cast. I mean, I've got, but if I take a pop, I'm losing the cast, you know. And uh, I look at the guy, and I, and this is before garments, you know. And uh, I look at the guy on the ca- on the cast. I said, "You know what? I'm ready to go to the house." And he said, "What?" I said, "Well, I said, I said it just don't mean that much to me, but I know what's supposed to happen. This bitch is supposed to come in. I'm supposed to get minus and lose his cast." So I'm willing to gamble. I said, I'll tell you what, let's flip a quarter and see who wins this cast. And Terry Bennett looked at me and was like, you're crazy. And I said, well, man, I'm serious as a heart attack. So uh, I said, has anybody got a quarter? And Terry reached and he said, I got a quarter. And uh, I said, buddy, I'll let you call it. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So he did it. Terry called it. And it was, he called heads and it was tails. And, uh, I won, I won the cast. I mean, it's, it ain't been five minutes, you know, we're sitting there and here she comes walking up. <laughs> and I think Terry realized then what I had done. Well, hell, all I've done is get past the early round, you know, right now I got to go back out on the late round with this jib. And, uh, and I'm like, man, there ain't no way I'll slide through this cast. But she's really, she, you know, she's a two-year-old. She's really good on that first dump. And then she just sort of plays out. She goes back to that crap from Tennessee. Got that old <laughs> weird streak in them. And uh, so I grabbed, after that cast over, I grabbed the quarter from Terry Ben. I said, I got to keep this for Lucky, a Lucky piece. And he laughed. So anyway, get Here's my late round cast. I got me hunting uh, the little trick dog. I got Ronnie Bone hunting uh, some of that heartbreaker stuff. Some can't remember what they bred the maybe Track Man and Heartbreaker or something. It was one of pretty powerful cross. Indiana hunting something, and Gene Driggers hunting a. Uh, I mean, I got a freaking. 
who's who of competition coon hunting at that time on a Thursday late round of the super stakes. Uh, this is where, this is where, you know, your handlers are, they're, they're pulling out all the stops. So needless to say, right out of the truck, my, I get first and the first, I got a, I got a den or a nest or something. It's a legitimate circle tree. Ronnie makes a tree, Indiana's tree down the country. We'll get down there. And Driggers is trailing through the country. Uh, You know, I think we might have voted to hunt an hour. That, you know, because it was that type of situation. So, well, needless to say, we come off that, and I cut, and and mine's in and out. The judge has done started the 15 on me. And (laughs) have you ever heard this story? No, I haven't. Uh the the 15 is on me in and, and she's in and out well <laughs> i hate to even tell this about my old buddy ronnie because i love ronnie bone to death but uh me and ronnie sitting back there you know we I mean, you know how these cast get us get down to nothing triggers is popping trailing we the other dogs we just cut them loose and mine's in and out so i I look over at Ronnie and I, and I know this bitch. I mean, I know this bitch like the back of my hand. I mean, I've hunted her, you know, for two years. I know that there is no way in God's green earth that you get your hands on her. You know what I mean? It's like if I, if the fish gets her, I can't touch her. You know what I'm saying? Correct. So I look at Ronnie and I said, Ronnie, if that bitch comes and you can catch her, I'll withdraw. He says, oh, okay, okay. So I know that when when this bitch comes by and Ronnie tries to catch her, that she is listening to leave from there. <laughs> so uh, needless to say, here she comes by, and Ronnie is all of a sudden like, <laughs> he just jumps at her. And I seen it when his light sent her in her eyes. I seen her eyes get big, and she just shot out of that. Well, about that time, Gene's dog gets treed over through the country. So we start walking. I hear this bitch get treed in there. I hear her get struck. I strike her. I hear her get treed. I tree her. Ronnie gets treed over. Hunt's over when we get there. Gene's dog is up the fence about 75 yards barking on a net wire fence going that way. Ronnie's dog is about 50 yards down the fence barking back toward Little Trick's tree that she's treed on. I've still got to have a coon to win this cat. You know, it's like i got to have a coon here. They don't score, you know, so much circle. And uh, look, shine time starts. I looked up. It's the first thing I see is a holler. Ten feet above that sits a coon. I said, "Here he is, Judge." They all look at each other and they all go, "We got one question in that." He withdrew. <laughs> and uh, so I got these three suckers telling me that I withdrew Indiana Driggers and Brian. 
And we go back and have one of them old phone panels. And uh, needless to say, they all say their piece, and then I come in, and this is what I tell them. I said, I struck my dog. Nobody questioned it. I treed my dog. Nobody questioned it. I started shine time on scoring the tree. Nobody questioned me being scratched. I look up. I see a hollow tree. Nobody questioned me being scratched. I shine and I say, here he is. And everybody's got a question about me being scratched. Y'all can't scratch me. <laughs> They've sure been waited they way too late for that. Huh? They've been waited way too late for that. Yeah, yeah, it was. But that that's when, uh, I, I, every time I see Ronnie, which I ain't seen him in years now, I go, hey, you remember that time I got you up there in Indiana? And he just grinned. <laughs> but, yeah. Those were the good old days. That's uh, but that's where knowing your dog comes in and and uh, knowing what 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 they're capable of doing and getting the most out of. Them. All right, we got one more question, and then I think we're gonna call it a night. What do you think? Sounds good to me. All right, well, we got Trevor Moore in Mississippi. When is it time to call one? And how important is the man good manners? Well, I think good manners are a must. I, my, I don't want my dogs to fear me, but I want them to respect me, and uh, and I and I think that leads leads to a uh, a healthy relationship between you and the dog when they've got manners. And uh, cut one, hey, culling is a personal decision, and uh, you know a lot of times I. I try to get them to a deer hunter or something along those lines. But when I see that they don't work out for me is when I, when I decide to get rid of them. So that's, that's what I feel about telling one. And it, I usually make that decision 12 to 16 months old on the culling part. And hopefully they run in something at that point. You know, if they run in a deer in these states where you can, uh, selling for deer dogs you can usually get rid of them. that's a that's about a thing of the past as well and so yeah we, we still i still get rid of a couple here and there for deer dogs well anything you need to add no i think i think we covered a lot we got a little over an hour in so i'm gonna send this one to tyler and let him take yeah. care of it. <laughs> well, I hope this buzzing ain't man. I just started buzzing on my end. Maybe it ain't messing with yours. No, it won't be no problem. Well, as always, I enjoyed it. And, uh, y'all make sure to send any questions in. We can't do these things without some good quality questions. I enjoyed and, it. Uh, uh, maybe we can and, start doing uh, this Y'all more have often. fun hunting. And good luck, Mason, whatever you're working on and fishing to go to. Yeah, I got a pro sport truck hunt this weekend in good springs alabama so well yeah good luck with that for sure go donate a little bit hey hey man. yeah all you gotta do is get lucky one or two casts well buddy have a good night and i appreciate it yep we'll see you next time all right mason thank you buddy yep see you.